You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Thessalonians 4, we started last week on this, uh, this particular subject of the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's our series is Joy for the Journey. And one of the great joys for the Christian is to know that Jesus Christ is coming again. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It doesn't matter how bad your day is because Jesus could come back today. He could come back tomorrow. You say, but I've got all these problems and I've got all these bills and I've got all these burdens and I've got all these struggles. Well, friend, it could all be gone in an instant. It it could all be gone in a moment. And when it's gone, when Jesus comes back, There'll be no more burdens, there'll be no more trials, there'll be no more sorrows, and uh, what a wonderful day that will be. Paul is talking to the church at Thessalonica here, and he says in verse number 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant. Remember we talked about last week the reminder. Paul said, I want you to be informed. Uh, The church at Thessalonica, there were some people in the church who were very concerned about where their loved ones were would go after they died. Uh, They thought, boy, our loved ones have already passed away and Jesus has not come back yet. Uh, What's going to happen to them? Will they miss out? Will they be at a disadvantage? Will uh, they be handicapped in some way? Also, during this time, there was a a very prevalent, uh, prevalent philosophy that people just did not believe in anything after death. They did not believe in an afterlife. Even the Sadducees, you remember Jesus dealt with the Pharisees and the Sadducees? The Sadducees were a religious group. And even the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in the judgment. They did not believe in punishment or reward after death. They did not believe in angels. They did not believe in spirits. And and they were supposedly religious. So Paul is dealing with these people and he's dealing with these things at Thessalonica And he said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. We see secondly, not only the reminder, but secondly, we see the reality of death. Notice what it says in verse 13, concerning them which are asleep. That word asleep is often used for the Christian who dies. It's not talking about soul sleep. And there are some false religions and there are some cults that say, when you die, your soul goes to sleep. That's not true. Now your body goes to sleep, your body, your shell is laid in the ground, but the the Christian does not have a soul that goes to sleep when they die. For the Christian, your soul goes to be with Jesus immediately. The body stays in the ground, but that soul is with the Lord. To be absent from the body, Paul said, is to be present with the Lord. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number um, 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We're not talking about anything spooky here. We're talking about the fact that people die, but because they're saved, their body's in the ground, but their soul is with the Lord. You say, well, how do we know that? Well, notice what it says in verse number 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up 
together with them in the clouds. Boy, we'll see them again. Hallelujah. To meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We saw the reality of death. Number three, we saw the reassurance. It says in verse 13, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. That's the reassurance for the Christian. Although people die, although there's sorrow, although there's weeping, uh, although there's, uh, there, there's the loss and there's the separation, and although there's the, the difficulty that is associated with death, for the child of God, we do not sorrow like people that do not know Christ. Yes, we do sorrow, but we don't sorrow as those who have no hope because we know that Jesus Christ is coming again. We know there's a glad reunion day. This morning, I'd like to draw your attention to verse number 14. And we'll begin this morning with the topic of the resurrection of Christ. You see, the fact that we're talking about the resurrection of our bodies, and we're talking about the rapture, and the fact that we're talking about the second coming, it all hinges on the fact that Jesus is alive. Because if Jesus is not alive, you don't have any hope. And I don't have any hope. But the fact that Jesus died, and by the way, he did. And he was buried, and he was. And the fact that he rose again, and he did. And the fact that he said he's coming back, and he will, that gives us hope. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. And may we not miss these truths on the second coming, the return of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, we pray these things in that precious name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Notice with me the resurrection. The Bible tells us that if we believe, verse 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now, first of all, that is an if. If you believe that. And by the way, I hope you believe that. If you don't believe that, you're not saved. If you don't believe that Jesus died and that Jesus rose again, you don't have salvation. But if you believe it, and I hope you do, and if you believe it, and I trust you do because it happened, but if you believe that Jesus died on a cross, that he was crucified, that he was nailed to the cross, that uh, they, they pierced his side with a spear just to ensure that he was dead. They took that lifeless body down and Joseph of Arimathea begged for the body of Christ and he anointed that body and he, he buried that body and he put that body in a, in a brand new tomb. And he put that body there and the Roman soldiers, they put a watch. And they stood guard and they said, we're not letting anybody in and we're not letting anybody out. Well, I got news for you. They had control about not letting anybody in. But they didn't have any control over letting somebody out. And on that third day, that Sunday morning, up from the grave, he arose. Jesus Christ rose again. And if you believe that, that'll change the way you live. That'll change everything in your life. It'll change how you think. It'll change what you talk about. It will change what's important to you. It'll change how you spend your time. It'll change how you spend your money. It'll change where you go on Sundays and what you read during the week and who you talk to during the week. If you believe that Jesus died and that he rose again, it will affect your life. Amen. If we believe that Jesus died, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because he lives, we can live also. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. If you believe it, if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, notice what it says 
Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, there's that term again, sleep. It's those who have died, those who have died in Christ. The Bible says that those will God bring with him. Now, in the Old Testament, and by the way, this is New Testament, but these, these Christians, these, this early church, they're still trying to figure things out. Because in the Old Testament, when a person died that knew Christ, you say, well, how did people get saved in the Old Testament? The same way they got saved in the New Testament. They got saved by faith. That's the only way a person gets saved. Hold your place there in 1 Thessalonians 4. And would you turn back with me to Romans chapter 4, please? Here's a great example. Probably one of the greatest men in the uh, minds of God's people, one of the greatest men that ever lived was Abraham. They referred to Abraham as their father. Abraham was the, uh, their, their, their father, and you have Abraham and Isaac and, and, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel and Joseph. But notice what it says in Romans 4 about Abraham. Verse 1, what shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham, verse 2, were justified, or if he were saved by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Verse 3, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Verse 4, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. If you want to try to work your way to heaven, you know what you're going to have? A debt that you cannot pay. You try to work your way to heaven, you know what you're going to have? You're going to have an eternity in a place called hell where you have to pay for your own sin. But if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can have paid in full written over your account. Your debt can be paid and your sins can be cleansed. Notice verse 5. But to him that worketh, what's the word? Not. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Friend, I want to tell you, people in the Old Testament, they got saved by looking forward in faith to the cross. Now here we are, 2,000 years later, after the, the death, burial, and resurrection, and we are looking back, we are looking back by faith. But there's only one way that a person gets saved, and that is by faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And those that were saved, those that in the Old Testament were in Christ, they died. The Bible tells us that they went to a place called paradise. Uh, it's also referred to in the book of Luke as Abraham's bosom. Same place, same thing. Remember the rich man and Lazarus, they both died. And the Bible says that the rich man, he could see uh, Ab Lazarus and he could see Abraham afar off. But he said, there's a great gulf that is fixed. You see, in the Old Testament, those that died, they went to a place called paradise where they were with Christ and where they had rest and where they had peace and where they had uh, blessing. And so that's what these early, early churches thinking about. And Paul said, I need to explain something to you now. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Because now Jesus has already conquered death. He's conquered the grave. He's conquered hell. And because he lives, you can live also. And because he lives, there is hope for you and there is hope for your loved ones. 
it was the thief on the cross that Jesus said, this day, he said, this day I'm going to send you to paradise. Is that what he said? No. He said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Can I tell you, I'm glad that heaven is where Jesus is. If Jesus is there, sign me up. That's where I want to be. And he said that your loved ones, those who've gone on, those who've passed away, but they knew Christ, they are with Jesus. Them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. You can't bring somebody with you if they're not with you. You understand what I'm saying? You can't bring somebody with you if you haven't got them yet. But I'm glad that these loved ones, Paul said, that had been saved, they were with the Lord. Because of the resurrection of Christ, there was hope. Because of the resurrection of Christ, there was victory. And because of the resurrection of Christ, there was a promise that we could live also. Notice what it says in verse number 15. Not only the resurrection of Christ, but number 5, we see the return of Christ. It says in verse 15, For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. It says the coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming again. In the word of God, in the Old Testament, there are 1,845 references to Christ's second coming. Now, that is staggering. 1,845 references to Christ's second coming in the Old Testament. There are 17 books of the Old Testament that make the second coming of Christ a prominent theme. The New Testament has 260 chapters. Did you know in the New Testament there are 318 references to the second coming of Christ? Now, friend, I want to tell you, this is not some obscure doctrine that somebody made up somewhere and said, well, we got to keep people, you know, on their toes and we got to keep them living for the Lord and we got to keep them doing right. So let's make this up. Oh, no, Jesus is coming and scripture is filled with reminders and prophecies that Jesus is coming back. One out of every 30 verses in the New Testament deals with the second coming of Christ. 23 of the 27 books in the New Testament talk about the return of Jesus Christ. For every prophecy in the Bible about Jesus' first coming, when he would come as a Messiah, for every prophecy of his first coming, there are eight prophecies about his second coming. Friend, I want to tell you, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming, and the Word of God makes it very clear, and the Word of God gives us the promise, he came the first time, and he will come again. When will it happen? The Bible tells us it could happen at any moment. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in an hour when ye think not. Can I tell you, this world doesn't think Jesus is coming back. This world doesn't believe Jesus is coming back. But friend, he's coming back. There was a man, he, I, think he, I think he was in some kind of ministry for, for, for decades. But there was a man back in 2011 out in California... He had a radio program. His name, name was Harold Camping. And Harold Camping made a prediction. He said, I believe from my calculations and I believe from my study of prophecy, he said, I believe that Jesus is coming back on May 21st, 2011. You say, how, how much did he believe it? 
millions of dollars worth he spent in advertisements and billboards and getting the message out that Jesus was coming back May 21st, 2011. Now, in case you're wondering, Jesus didn't come back on May 21st, 2011. Now, that was a good day because May 21st is my birthday, but Jesus didn't come back. So the man after May 21st, that's kind of embarrassing. You've spent millions and you've got the message out and you have promised. And by the way, people sold everything that they had. Well, we don't need it because Jesus is coming back. We don't need our houses. We don't need our cars. We don't need our stuff. They sold everything and he was wrong. So then he comes out and says, folks, I'm so sorry. He said, I made a mathematical error. He said, it's actually going to be October 21st. I was off by six months. So October 21st, 2011, this man said, Jesus is coming back on October 21st. I got news for you. He didn't come back on October 21st. That's why we don't set dates. Because you don't know, and I don't know, and ain't none of God's children know when he's coming back, but we know that he's coming back. If I stood here this morning and I said, folks, I'm telling you, next Sunday, October 27th, Jesus is coming back. I can guarantee it. I tell you one thing, if you believe that, you'd make some changes this week. There'd be some things you'd do differently this week than you did last week. Well, friend, I'm not telling you Jesus is coming back next Sunday because I don't know when he's coming, but I know this, he could come back tomorrow. He could come back today. And that's why every day our lives ought to be lived for the second coming, the return of Jesus Christ, because he is coming and he could come back at any moment. There was a Christian camp director, and if you've ever been to teen camp, I, I asked in the early service, and not too many of those folks have been, but how many of you have ever been to teen camp? Let me see your hands. Oh, my, you got to love teen camp, especially if you get to go with some junior high campers. Oh, hallelujah for junior high campers. But when we used to go to camp, and one of these days, I, I was just thinking uh, in preparing for this message, I still have so many stories about Brother Dan Bybee I have yet to tell. And one of these days, we'll just have a, a whole, whole hour dedicated to those stories. But teen camp is where some people go to make spiritual decisions and have a wonderful time and get right with God. And others, they go for the the, the, the only reason of just trying to torment others. They take items in their suitcases so they can prank one another and so they can do practical jokes and they can do all that kind of stuff. Not, not our teens, of course, but some do. But there was a camp director, and I, I, I wasn't there, but I read about the story. There was a camp director that his camp staff decided we're going to get him good. So they staged an elaborate rapture. They had clothes lying on the sidewalk looking like people had just be, had been taken away. And they had a, a boat out on the lake. They had it set just right. Nobody was in it, but it was going around in circles with the motor running. They had water running in the kitchen and they had everything set like it looked like that everything had been going on as normal and everybody was gone. Then they had it set that as soon as that camp director got back on the property, the telephone rang. And somebody from the town next door called and said, hey... Is everybody okay over there? We got a bunch of people missing over here. And that camp director, they scared him good. Now, don't try this at your workplace this week, and don't try it on your family this week or whatever. But can I tell you, 
That is going to happen. You say, you're crazy. Oh, no. It's going to happen. Because when the rapture takes place, when the trumpet sounds and we're out of here, every single born-again child of God will leave this earth in an instant. And can I tell you, there is going to be worldwide chaos. And the Bible says that that Antichrist, he'll come on the scene and he will make the people believe a lie. I can't, I can't imagine that somebody would be able to convince everybody, yeah, so it's going to be okay. We've just lost millions and millions of people. They disappeared. But can I tell you, they'll be sent a strong delusion. And Jesus is coming back, and we better be ready because the return of Christ could happen at any moment. I see number six in verse number 16, the resurrection of the dead. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. You see, the dead in Christ will not be at a disadvantage. When Jesus comes back, they get to go first. Those bodies that are already in the ground, those bodies will be resurrected and those bodies will be reunited with the soul of those who've gone on to heaven. And you say, but pastor, why would we want this old body? Why would we want an old body that's been uh, hampered by uh, cancer and hampered by disease? And, and certainly, why would we want a body that's been in the ground? It's been decayed and it's been decomposed and, uh, and it's dust to dust and ashes to ashes. Why would we even want that? Well, hang on, friend. That's not what we're getting. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that this mortal will put on immortality and this corruptible will put on incorruption. It's like a seed. The Bible tells us our bodies are like a seed. A seed is not significant. It's not really that pretty. It's not that beautiful. But you put that seed in the ground. Oh my, and that flower blooms and that plant blooms. And it's a miracle. It is something that takes place with something that is placed in the ground. And our bodies are placed in the ground. And when those bodies are resurrected, they won't be the same bodies. They're going to be glorified bodies. They'll be bodies that will no longer feel pain. There'll be bodies that will no longer know suffering and no longer no heartache and no longer no grief. Hallelujah for the resurrection that's coming again. I'm glad we'll know one another. I'm glad we'll recognize one another. I'm glad we'll be reunited with those who we've loved who've gone on to be with the Lord. But notice what it says in verse number 16. It says the Lord himself, and I'm glad Jesus is coming himself. He's not sending an angel to get us. He's coming on his own. He'll descend from heaven with a shout. There are three sounds described here in this passage. The first one is a shout. I don't know what that shout's going to be. I kind of wonder if it's Jesus. Like he commanded at the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. I wonder if he'll say something like that. Children, come on home. I don't know what he's going to say, but I know there's going to be a shout. That's excitement. It's not going to be a whisper. It's going to be a shout. Then there's going to be the voice of an archangel. I don't know what the archangel is going to say. The Bible doesn't say. Maybe he'll be, he'll be getting the choir ready saying, all right, let's do another verse of victory in Jesus. Let's do another verse of the hallelujah. I don't know what they're going to say, but the archangel will hear the voice of the archangel. And then we'll hear the trumpet of God. Now the trumpet. The trumpet may not be significant to you. We've got a, a piano we hear every Sunday, and we've got an organ, and we've got the, the men that play the guitars on Sunday nights, but a trumpet to God's people was very significant. 
Because a trumpet was used to announce many things. It was used to announce war. It was used to announce a gathering. It was used to announce preparation for a trip in the Roman Empire. A trumpet was used to announce the coming of royalty. Oh, friend, when that trumpet sounds, royalty is going to show up. The King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, will come back at the sound of the trumpet. Hallelujah. He's coming. We use the word rapture. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but it's used to describe this event. It's when we will be caught up. The word rapture it literally has five different meanings, and all of these meanings are applicable to what we're talking about. One, a rapture, a catching away, means to catch away speedily. The Bible says that we will be gone in the twinkling of an eye. It doesn't say the blink of an eye, it says the twinkling. One Bible scholar said, and, and he figured this out from science, science and all this, but he said it's 11 one hundredths of a second is how quick the twinkling of an eye will take place. Can I tell you, it's going to happen in an instant. It's going to be in a, in a moment, in, just, in, 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 a, in a twinkling of an eye, we're gone. But then also to the rapture to, to catch away is to seize by force. I'm so glad that Satan's not strong enough to keep us back. I'm glad that the demons of hell are not strong enough to hold us down. I'm glad there's nothing in this world. There's no body. There's no possession. There's nothing that's strong enough to keep us here when Jesus comes back. We'll be seized by force. It means to claim for one's own self. When Jesus comes, he's coming to catch his bride away. He's coming to claim us for his own. It means to move from one place to a new place. I'm glad this world's not our home. We're just passing through, but our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. But the word, this, this thought to catch away, it also means to rescue from danger. Would you notice 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 10? It says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. You say, well, why would it say that Jesus is going to deliver us from the wrath to come? Because when the rapture takes place, we talked about it last week, on earth will begin the seven-year tribulation. And we're not going through the tribulation. And I got news for you. There's people out there. There's Christian people. They, they call themselves Christians. I don't know what they're believing or not. But I'll tell you this. There's some that say we're going through the first half of the tribulation and then we're gone. There's some that are saying we're going through the whole tribulation, then we're gone. I got news for you. I ain't sticking around for the tribulation. When Jesus comes, when the trumpet sounds, I'm out of here. And so will you be if you know the Lord. He's coming. And how we should look forward to it. 2 Timothy 4 says, All them that love his appearing will receive a crown of righteousness. Number 7, I see in verse 17 there will be a reunion. A reunion. What a day that will be. When we're reunited with our loved ones. For some of you in this room, you've got some very pe people that are very, very dear to you. And they've been gone for a few days. Or maybe a few weeks or a few months. Maybe you've got some loved ones that have been gone for a few years. Some of you in this room, I know I've talked to you. You've got loved ones who have been gone for many, many, many years. But your heart still longs. For that reunion. Well, friend, there's a reunion coming. 
And that reunion's coming when we'll be gathered together with our loved ones, but we'll also be with the Lord. We'll be with our Savior. We'll be with the one who died for us. We'll be with the one who loved us so much that he gave his life on a cross. And what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Lastly, I see in verse 18, I see the command here to relay the message. It says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We talk about a lot of things, don't we? We share our business and we share our sports and we share recipes and we share ideas and we share, uh, I got this thing over here and you got to see this gadget and you got to try this out. I'm not against those things. But here we have a Bible command to spread the good news that Jesus is coming back. We ought to talk about it this week. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That is Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica. He said, you spread the good news. Comfort one another with these words. There was an inscription found on a grave marker in England. It said this, pause, my friend, as you walk by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare, my friend to follow me. A visitor saw this and he added these lines to it. To follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. And friend, I got news for you. If Jesus does not come back before then, we all will face death. And when you face death, when I face death, we will immediately be in one of two places. We'll be in heaven with the Lord or will be in hell, separated from God for all of eternity. And the difference is not how much money you got in your bank account. The difference is not what, what church membership role your name is on. The difference is not who your parents are. The difference is not how smart you are. The difference is not whether you were a good neighbor or not. The difference is what you do with Jesus Christ. You can either accept him or you can reject him. The choice is yours. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.